This is the Thursday edition of Transformation Radio. As we begin reading in the New Testament, our narrative today comes from the book of 1 John, chapter 4, verses 1 through 21. Do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit comes from God. Well, it means that we shouldn't believe everything we hear just because someone says it's a message from God. Now, there are many ways to test teachers to see if their message is truly from the Lord. One is to check to see if their words match what God says in the Bible. Other tests include their commitment to the body of believers, their lifestyles, and the fruit of their ministries. But the most important test of all, says John, is what they believe about Christ. Do they teach that Jesus is fully God and fully man? In our world is filled with voices claiming to speak for God. Give them these tests to see if they are indeed speaking God's truth. 
Now, the Antichrist will be a person who epitomizes all that is evil, and he will be readily received by an evil world. He's more fully described over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and Revelation 13. Now, it says the spirit of the Antichrist is already here. Those who reject Christ are unknowingly or consciously siding with the spirit of the Antichrist. That's easy to be frightened by the wickedness we see all around us and to be overwhelmed by the problems we face. Evil is obviously much stronger than we are. John assures us, however, that God is even stronger. He will conquer all evil, and His Spirit and His Word live in our heart. You know, false teachers are popular with the world because, like the false prophets of the Old Testament, they tell people what they want to hear, pure and simple. John warns that Christians who faithfully teach God's Word will not win any popularity contests in the world. People don't want to hear their sins denounced. They don't want to listen to demands that they change their behavior. A false teacher will be well received by non-Christians. Well, John says God is love, not love is God. Our world, with its shallow and selfish view of love, has turned these words around and contaminated our understanding of love. The world thinks that love is what makes a person feel good and that it's all right to sacrifice moral principles and others' rights in order to obtain such so-called love. But that, my friend, is not real love. It's the exact opposite, selfishness. And God is not that kind of love. Real love is like God, who is holy, just, and perfect. If we truly know God, we will love as He does. December 4, the New Testament, 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 21. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people, because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. But we belong to God, and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world, so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love. Not that we loved God but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, 
we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us, and His love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us His Spirit as proof that we live in Him and He in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. We love each other because He loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And He has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. Psalm 123, verses 1 through 4. The writer of this psalm here lifted his eyes to God, waiting and watching for God to send his mercy. The more he waited, the more he cried out to God because he knew that the evil and proud offered no help. They only had contempt for God. Have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy, is his cry, as he invites us to cry out with him for God's mercy. We hear a lot about justice, and justice, of course, is mixed with God's love. But when we stand before Him, I don't know about you, but I want God's mercy, not His justice. And fortunately for us, God's mercy is in charge of His justice. And it's even better news to know that we're going to be made able to stand in His presence. Scripture tells us, And now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in His presence blameless and with great joy to the only true and wise God, through faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, be glory and dominion, power and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. Psalm 123, verses 1 through 4, a song for pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem. I lift my eyes to you, O God, enthroned in heaven. We keep looking to the Lord our God for His mercy, just as servants keep their eyes on their master, as a slave girl watches her mistress for the slightest signal. Have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy, for we have had our fill of contempt. We have had more than our fill of the scoffing of the proud and the contempt of the arrogant. Proverbs chapter 29, verses 2 through 4. When the godly are in authority... The people rejoice, but when the wicked are in power, they groan. The man who loves wisdom brings joy to his father, but if he hangs around with prostitutes, his wealth is wasted. A just king gives stability to his nation, but one who demands bribes destroys it.
today's In Touch devotion. Today's scripture reading is Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, just as in all the world also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Grace is God's goodness and kindness, freely extended to the utterly undeserving, you and me. Because of His grace, He offers salvation through Jesus Christ so that anyone who trusts Him as Savior might have a relationship with Him. In doing so, God declares we are righteous. The Heavenly Father sees Christ's righteousness as our own. The guilt and shame of sin have been removed, and we can live boldly for Jesus no matter who we were before. God claims us as family. A spiritual adoption has taken place so that we could become His children and call Him Father. The world would have us believe the lie that we are insignificant, but God's view is the truth. As believers, we are children of the eternal King and have great worth. God provides an inheritance for us as co-heirs with Christ. Our inheritance is guaranteed and kept for us in heaven. We are set free from the trap of possessions because we're rich in the only way that matters. God gives us, who were spiritually dead, a new heart and a new spirit. We are born again. God has given us a fresh start in Christ. God raises us out of the life we once lived and into a new life with Him. Believers are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, whose fruit is love, joy, and peace. And God sets us free from the power of sin, Satan, and self. Obedience and victory become a reality in our life as our faith in Jesus Christ grows. Praise God for His unending grace. We 
Business Network, in association with the Refuge Ministries, presents one of the 40 principles of the Foundation for Achievement. John, this next principle is the self-government principle of morality, based on Proverbs 11, verse 11. The good influence of godly citizens causes a city to prosper, but the moral decay of the wicked drives it downhill. You'd think these people were in Colombia with us a few times, huh? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) right, right, yeah. I am morality is an interesting thing. You know, about 10 years ago, you know, uh, the uh, government said here in the U.S. that uh, we cannot uh, legislate in morality. Uh, but now we are. Yes, I we mean, are. I mean, it's on the table, and we are now talking about morality because morality is the actually the key to any successful society, mm-hmm. absolutely key. Without moral standards that uh, bring self-behavior, you know, uh, you cannot... 
you cannot function properly. And in Colombia, we've seen where when godly people rise up oh, yes. with a moral message, that country will respond. Oh, yeah. In yes. fact, right now in the world, overall in the world, uh, that that's one of the hottest subjects is values mm-hmm. from a moral standpoint. Well, let's the read our principles. The person, yeah. Morality, what is it? Webster's defines it as principles, standards, or habits with respect to right or wrong conduct. The proverb relates it to godliness, meaning God-designed standards. It should be understood that God created man and beast with a purpose in mind. Each species was created after its kind, which means that each one of them was created with fixed attributes. Man, however, was given a special gift, the gift of reasoning, and that is one of our greatest gifts as people, huh, John? Uh, that's true. You know, the uh, in, in creation, if you understand creation, uh, everything was made with a fixed parameters that they functioned by. An animal just knows how to do certain things, and uh, but man was not. Man, man was given extra stuff, uh, and we'll get into that a little bit, mm-hmm. but that's, that's going to be the key. And so if you follow this, this is critical to catch because this make, is what makes life work and not work. I mean, it's a very critical situation here. No animal can reason itself out of its created intent. A robin cannot decide its values or redesign its lifestyles. Its functions are according to its code and design. Likewise, man was created after his kind. However, he has two codes to live by. The first one is a conscience. That's a sense of right and wrong. And then the commandments. That's right. And that that's where we get into what you call really depth discussion. Because what happens is this, that animals live by the conduct that they were created to. Like a robin, he'll build his nest the same way. He will not change to a... Uh, from year to year, he'll not say, well, I, I want an early American style or next time I want a uh, <laughs> sure, traditional traditional style of some kind. He just builds, he, he just does what he knows what to do, and he doesn't learn a new way. He can look at other nests of other uh, birds, and he can watch them, but he cannot design one himself. I mean, he's, he, he just builds it the way he's designed to build it. Now, man is different. Man is given the the, uh, the creative uh, mind of reasoning that he can make choices. And uh, so in those choices is where we get into problems because we have what, what regulates us then. So the, the, the question is, how are we regulated? What is the control factor? And this is the interesting thing. Only in creation, the only thing that ever got commandments was people. Mm. And that is their code of regulation. That's beautiful. And that is to make sure that they operate within a design. They can still be creative, but they have to understand the code of regulation to keep morality in place. If not, then it becomes self-destructive. The mind really is self-destructive and absolutely self-destructive if it's not under regulation. Like a computer that has no regulation, it's destructive. We know by nature that it's wrong to kill, steal, or destroy. That's why people do bad things in the dark when no one is watching. Since man was given the gift of reason, he also needs commandments. These commandments become codes for proper function. Uh, They become moral codes. We need them because with our gift of reasoning, we can reason ourselves away from our created conscience. And that's a war that goes on in the battleground of the mind. That's right. A conscience, uh, it's also interesting to understand that a conscience is not necessarily a true guide. Uh, Without laws... Uh, to steer the conscience, you can sear the conscience and the conscience will allow you to do things. There are people that can kill and feel good about it. Yes. 
that's because of a trained conscience, because they think about something so long and they justify it and reason it out, and then the first thing they know, they feel justified in doing it. There are people that steal uh, in uh, in uh, some of these uh, uh, foreign countries, these uh, third world countries. They don't feel guilty sometimes in stealing because they say, you have so much, you have more than you need anyhow. The U.S. should be handing it out. And so we have a right to steal or destroy in order to get it because that's unfair. You're unfair in not giving it to us. Well, that's not how life was designed. Life was designed to earn. Mm-hmm. Okay, not to, so. So it's very critical that that we understand how those how those law those moral laws function. That if, if we don't, when well, we become destructive, and we'll need more attorneys. Yes, <laughs> like that. Many rights and wrongs must be taught. These are the commandments. But some rights and wrongs are part of our created human nature. This is our conscience. When we harden our hearts and sear our God-given conscience, we become selfish, greedy, and self-willed. This leads us away from our natural morals. Our conscience is not our true guide unless it's governed by the commandments. That's right. Uh, it is not, I mentioned that before, it's not a true guide unless it's uh, governed by commandments. But uh, we still have a God-given conscience even we don't know the moral law. Mm-hmm. And, and that is mean that uh, any kid that grows up uh, that kills uh, and watches it, I mean, they feel guilty. I mean, because they hide, they run. Even when they steal, they do have a conscience because uh, they don't they don't take. And when they steal, they look around to see if somebody's watching, you know. So there is a inbred conscience that we have. Uh, but that's not enough on itself because it finally justifies what it's doing. But then the commandments are there to hold it and and to steady it. God made man and beast, male and female, for reproductive purposes. It is only the human that practices homosexuality. Only humans become addicted to drugs and alcohol. Only humans plan abortions. It may be legal or politically correct, but these things are still morally wrong. A business deal may be legal but still violate moral principles. Morality deals with justice for both parties, and it's under a code of right and wrong given by the designer. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you is not a suggestion. That's right. I mean, I, I don't I don't know how to get into this um, to where we really capture the the key to this whole thing, uh, because because it still deals with right and wrong. It still deals with perception, uh, like a business deal. It may be legal. Some people think that anything that's legal, anything that's made legal, then is okay. So they say, well, abortion, no, that's morally that's morally wrong. That's just morally wrong. Now, it's legal, but just because something is made legal does not mean that. means the mind is justified. It, sure. And then we, then you, uh, a business deal, may, may, you may say, well, I didn't do anything wrong in a business deal, but you might have done something wrong, even if it's legal. So morality is deeper it, it deals with the human issue, the part of creation that God designed us. And if life is going to work for us right, and if society is going to work right, then they have to deal with that issue of the moral character and the moral law that that the uh, the legal thing should be structured under that. But they're not always. And mm-hmm. so we have to read into that and find out where the moral law really is. John, you give us three ways to check our conscience. Number one, do you have a problem looking certain people in the eye and being transparent. That's right. Sometimes when people discuss things with you, they can't look at you. Uh-huh. You know, they, they want to hide or they want to cross the streets. <laughs> they don't, don't see you. Uh, you know, I've, I've made loans to people already and they swore to God. And, you know, I, I'll give it back. You just help me out and give it back. 
you give you give them the uh, the thousand dollars or stuff like that, and they never see you. They they can't even face you because really, what it was, I knew when I gave it to them that that, that they were not planning on to it, but they swore to God that they would. But now they can't face it because they never had an intent to give it to you. You know. The second, are you afraid to openly discuss certain issues? That's right. Some people get <laughs> really hot when you bring up an issue because they just lose it or they don't want to even get into it. They, they either get extremely mad and they don't they want to avoid an issue because it's something that they can't deal with because they, they feel guilty. And the third one, do you feel uncomfortable talking about God? That's right. I remember the time that when people talked to me about God, I felt uncomfortable, you know, because I didn't know who he was. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're afraid to get into discussion of something that, uh, you know, it's just funny how that works, you know. We are responsible before God and mankind to follow a moral code of ethics. This code is based upon truth from God and creation. The commandments were given as the guideline for human behavior. They teach respect for God and our fellow man. That's true. I want to stop there. That's really true. Sometimes people think that anything that they can get away with or anything that's legal uh, or anything, you know, that's okay. But it, it is it, the moral laws and the codes of God are respect for God. But they were given not just to satisfy God. God is going to make it with us or without it. They were really, the laws were given to make human relations work. If you look at the Ten Commandments, only one was in respect to God. The others were in respect for man. These laws and principles were not given just so we can please God, but they were designed and given with us in mind. We are the beneficiaries. That's right. We will do ourselves a favor by living and structuring ourselves and our societies upon them. Our forefathers understood this. That's why our constitution and system of laws are structured around God's commandments. It was to create a moral society. That's right. And if you if you read the Constitution, you're you're surprised. They, they don't they don't teach a lot, bring a lot of religious things in, but they respect God and His law. Mm-hmm. I mean, it. it some people say, well, it was religion. It was not religion. It was just understanding the facts of life. If you took God, the word God out, and just say there are life principles or life laws, creation, laws of creation, then people would accept them. But they were taken from the Bible, and they were taken from God's word. And so it's very critical. Most moral values are plain common sense. Just because we have been given the ability to reason and choose does not license us to break the moral standards. Morality is simply a rule of conduct that is right, right for you, right for me, according to the designer. We might ask the man in the mirror if he knows what is right. Uh, boy, that's that's powerful. <laughs> that that tells it as it is. You know, it's what's right, not just for me, but what's right for you. And look in the mirror and judge yourself and say, like, am I doing right? Principle of Morality, Proverbs 11, verse 11. The good influence of godly citizens causes a city to prosper, but the moral decay of the wicked drives it downhill. How powerful, John. It is, and it's really probably one of the most popular subjects in the world right now. Everybody's talking about morality, but nobody knows exactly where to start, where the absolute start, and that's what they're trying to discover. But uh, we will not become moral as a society unless... Please understand the value of it, and that's what's being discussed right now. 
And in order to understand the value, we have to understand that the mind is not is neutral. The mind is not moral or is not right or wrong. The mind is neutral. And when we are, we are born, we are born with a blank tape in our mind. And whatever we discover through our five senses, hearing, touching, tasting, and all that, whatever we discover is shaped in our mind and recorded. And then that becomes what our character and our nature and all the things that come out of that, is that's going to be 90% of what we are. And so we have to understand that, and so it's important that we find absolutes, truth. We, our mind needs absolutes. It needs commandments. And uh, without that, we'll never discover what real morality is. So we got to search for the absolutes. When we find them, then we got to teach those from a child. we got to teach those, and then that will steer a society into moral character.
like all I could see was the struggle. Haunted, I ghostly lived in my past. Bound up in shackles of all my failures. This prisoner and say to me, son, stop fighting a fight. It's already been won, and I am redeemed. You set me free, so I'll shake off these heavy chains and wipe away. I'm not who I used to be. I am redeemed. I'm redeemed. All my life I have been called unworthy. Named by the voice.
Thanks for listening. Make sure to tune in tomorrow for the next edition of Transformation Radio.